0: hello and welcome to episode 20 of the movie Brett's podcast i am
1: carter and joining me as always is jonathan how are you doing jonathan i've been in two car accidents in three weeks and i am a little bit frazzled but i'm safe and i got to go to new york last weekend so overall i'm hanging in there <laughs> yeah it's like the worst luck that i've ever heard of Uh, both neither of them were my fault but i've been rear-ended by two cars no one was a giant truck and it sped off and didn't stop so anyway i have insurance and i'm safe but uh and i got to go to new york so you know there's good (laughs) and bad in life yeah you got to see some movies you wouldn't be able to see in south carolina
0: and uh the movie world goes on we've got a couple big uh newsworthy things of note that came out in the last week uh, Alexander Payne, I know one of Jonathan's favorite uh, current working directors. I'm not as into him as uh, as some real movie people are. But his uh, newest movie was announced. It's a horror comedy, and uh, mos Stone and Ray Fines have been attached to star in it. Uh, it is going to be called On the Menu, and will focus on a young couple who visits an exclusive destination restaurant on a remote island where the acclaimed chef has prepared a lavish tasting menu, along with some
1: shocking surprises. (laughs) Does that sound intriguing to you? What do you want to bet that there is cannibalism in the film? (laughs) (laughs) I think the
0: odds on that are pretty, pretty, uh, I mean, good for someone uh, voting in favor of it. Right. Yeah, I think uh... (laughs)
1: Alexander Payne is one of those directors where I cherish every time he has a film come out. He's one of the true... Even downsizing? Yeah, downsizing is...
0: Came not out a couple years successful. ago and was not a big yeah. hit.
1: No, yeah, but I'm glad that he was able to make was it. Was that his I last mean, movie? Right. I saw it at the Museum of Modern Art with him in person. And, wow. yeah, it doesn't entirely work, but it's so full of ideas, and there's so much in it that's funny. Mm-hmm. And what's what's weird is that it you – the movie that you think it is it's not it it starts out as the movie you think it is and then about 30 minutes in it just become like it almost doesn't have anything to do with people being shrunk down it's like they get shrunk down and then it's just an Alexander Payne comedy and they just happen to be small that's what I kind of love about it but yeah I mean he's made Nebraska
0: was a really big one that came out uh my probably the favorite one I've made is which is one with uh George Clooney in Hawaii, The Descendants, which is a really good movie. Very dark comedy. Um, Well,
1: have you ever seen About Schmidt? I haven't. That's one with Jack
0: Nicholson that's from early 2000s.
1: Yeah, it's one of Nicholson's best performances. It's one of his most understated, and he's just so amazing in the film. And I love the ending so much. It's one of the most emotional scenes. It's very Mm -hmm. simple. But, yeah, I think I say that Alexander Payne is like the Hal Ashby of today. Oh, wow. Because he makes these comedy dramas that are just, you know, with amazing actors. And, yeah, so I I absolutely will see This is the first time
0: Emma Stone and Ray Fiennes are going to be in in one of his movies, which is pretty interesting.
1: Right. He gets the biggest movie stars, Jack Nicholson, George (laughs) Clooney, (laughs) Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah. So um, I I can't wait to see what he's going to do.
0: And then another uh, noteworthy thing. Uh, Damien Chazelle, who I know I like much more than Jonathan, uh, is having a Netflix series called The Eddie. Uh, and they have casted two leads for that. It's going to be Andre Holland, uh, who was in High Flying Bird from earlier this year, with boats, which bo- <laughs> both of us really, really liked. And then Joanna Kulig, who was in uh, Cold War last year. And I know I said this to you before, it's going to be weird seeing the people from Cold War in other movies. Cause that one felt so much like a historical document that I don't think of it as existing in the present.
1: Well, it's also like when you see an actor like Barkhad Apti in other movies, mm-hmm. like train wreck, <laughs> it's just like, kind of like, Oh, there's the guy from captain Phillips. They got- Oh wait, he was just, you know, but yeah, <laughs> I, uh, no, I Whiplash was my favorite film of that year yeah. it's one of the great films of this decade so far I don't like La La Land at all I admire the craft and First Man I admire the craft I didn't have a fun time watching it but I think it's a really well done movie so I, I do like Damien mm-hmm. Chazelle except La La Land was garbage I think uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting
0: but, to see how he does a TV show where he gets a little more room to breathe than he does in his movies uh, so that might be good because yeah, he tries 20, to jam pack all of his movies with so much stuff then maybe a TV series will be a little bit better for him.
1: I mean, another director that has a series coming out soon is Nicholas Winding Refn with his Amazon series Too Old to Die Young with Miles Teller and John Hawks. The trailer came out for that,
0: and it looks (laughs) very much up uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's uh, alley. He did Drive and Only God Forgives, and this is just more like (laughs) neon-soaked, violent, major city sort of uh, stuff. So, I mean, it seems pretty cool. I'm glad that... uh,
1: I think I read somewhere that all the episodes are going to be 90 minutes or longer. Holy shit. Yeah, so it's like a movie every episode. He hasn't come up with
0: something since uh, The Neon Demon was at 2016-17.
1: Yeah, it's been a few years. I really, really like that movie. Not everyone did, but... uh, I didn't actually see it. Yeah. (laughs) It looked really weird. yeah, it is weird, and it's it's darkly funny, and it's just – it's him doing exactly what he wants to do. It's, it's one of the – it's a movie I call a watch-me movie. It's where yeah. a director – He does that it's in like pretty they, much
0: all of his movies, though.
1: I know, but it's like <laughs> – what I mean by a watch-me movie, I put in the category uh, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, Darren yes. Aronofsky's Black Swan, and Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. It's like they know exactly what they want to do, and they just go – watch me. Just watch me. And they're just having fun. And they're, you know, they don't care what anyone else thinks. And they're just gonna... Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And and one other thing we should mention is that uh, a few weeks ago, or last week, we mentioned the Dead Don't Die trailer came out. They just announced it's gonna be the opening uh, film at the Cannes Film Festival Mm. next month. That's... uh, Usually they have that spot for, like, a
0: fun movie. I know they've done it for, like, Pixar movies in the past, so... That's a good yeah, midnight sign. Midnight in Paris. That's a really big uh-huh. spot, actually. Usually, it's like yeah. a really big tentpole sort of movie. Um, so maybe yeah. that's uh, promises that this will actually be somewhat of a financial hit for uh, Jim Jarvis, which uh, is not necessarily true of his past movies. Um, no,
1: Patterson did not break <laughs> b- the box office. But uh, it was a yeah. good movie. But
0: oh yeah, I mean, yeah. can't wait for that one. We mentioned earlier that's coming out I mean, pretty soon, hopefully. And then the last bit of sort of news is the. Final cut of Apocalypse Now is going to be released at the upcoming Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, we're not sure what this is actually going to entail, but I heard Francis Ford Coppola say that the original was too short and Redux is too long, <laughs> so maybe this will just cut out the whole French colonial family aspect of it, and then it'll just be everything else, which would be pretty good. And apparently it's going to be a really good print of it, like taken from the, the original masters, so... It's always nice and, to get a remastered version of a classic movie like Apocalypse Now. Like, that's awesome.
1: And the talk will be moderated uh, with Steven Soderbergh interviewing Coppola. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I really love the theatrical cut of Apocalypse oh, Now. Me too. And there's some And there's some really good stuff in Redux, but the plantation <laughs> scene just bogs the film down. It has, you know, it's it's going along the river and it has this hypnotic quality. And then there's just like this... Thirty-minute segment Mm. that just drops down It goes on forever. I know it's like let's just get on to the crazy
0: Marlon Brando scenes.
1: (laughs) I know. Have you ever seen the video online where he's doing a really serious take and then he just winces and he goes, "I swallowed a fly." Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he just just swallows a fly on camera. But one one of the reasons we are mentioning uh, Francis Ford Coppola as the final bit of news. Uh, What are we going to be talking about this week? Well, his
0: birthday. Uh, it was just this past week, April 7th. Uh, he was born in 1939, which makes him the ripe old age of 80. And we are going to take this occasion to celebrate some of our favorite filmmakers, uh, currently living filmmakers who are over the age of 80. Uh, and we'll just a- sort of. 80 or older. 80 or older, exactly. And we'll just sort of, you know, talk a little retrospective on each of their careers and sort of if they're still active in the film world. And uh, we'll start off with Francis Ford Coppola here because the, he is uh, <laughs> the birthday man. And sort of he bursts into the Hollywood consciousness. I know the earliest work of his that I've seen is he wrote the script for Patton in 1970 and got the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay.
1: Uh, have you seen Patton? No. Oh my god. <laughs> I I own I actually own a copy of the script for some weird reason.
0: Oh really? Oh you need to see it. It's fantastic. And it's yeah, weird well, he looking did, back on it and thinking of it as a Francis Ford Coppola script.
1: Well, it's a film, um I was gonna say he worked with Roger Corman before mm. that, but Patton was like his like big you know, success, you know, besides making, you know, working on the terror with Boris Karloff and Jack Nicholson, <laughs> you know. But
0: yeah, then uh, 1972, he writes and directs The Godfather, uh, with very little support from Paramount. Uh, you look shocked, Jonathan. <laughs>
1: What's going 70- on? 72. It's 72.
0: Yeah, it's 1972.
1: Okay, and then the um, the two films uh, he had the conversation and Godfather Part Two in the same year.
0: Yes, that's we're gonna hold on for that for a little second. And okay. then 1972, uh, he wins Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. Wins Best Picture. The Godfather is the highest-grossing movie of 1972. Ends up being one of the best movies ever made. At this point, Francis Ford Coppola can do no wrong. Uh, I mean, but the he Godfather. Best director. Who, who no, won best director? Best director yeah. of 1972, I think, was Bob Fosse. Is that right? Or Cabaret. Yeah. yeah which is a nice little bit of trivia cabaret not a movie remembered as fondly as the godfather as good as that
1: absolutely not true absolutely not true i mean the godfather is considered one of the greatest films ever made but cabaret is an amazing film too
0: oh yeah but it's not like as many people have seen cabaret as the godfather no the godfather's on amc like every saturday one saturday out of every month
1: (laughs) i know and it takes like five hours to show it because they put commercials every 10 minutes or less
0: oh yeah and then 1973 with his newfound cachet uh, he produces American Graffiti, which is George Lucas' second film and his first really big hit and sort of uh, paves the way for George Lucas to make his Star Wars movies at the end of the decade. So flexing his muscles as a producer as well as a director. And then 1974 maybe the best single year for a director in history. Uh, Steven Spielberg's 1993 jumps to mind when he made Schindler's List in Jurassic Park. Uh, Soderbergh 2000. He did Aaron Brockovich in Traffic. But I think all of that pales in comparison to Francis Ford Coppola making The Conversation and The Godfather Part Two, both of which he writes, produces, and directs in the same year, which is just unbelievable. Uh, the Conversation is definitely one uh, that is less famous as The Godfather's, but might actually be like a better-crafted movie. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I mean... I'm not going to diss The Godfather <laughs> films but well no I'll say the third one's not very good but uh The Conversation is an an, an incredible film it's so brilliantly constructed Starring and it's one of Gene Hackman's best performances a very paranoid yeah.
0: surveillance expert uh very stripped down movie uh very slow but like a hypnotic and really captures 70s paranoia uh like the Parallax View of 3 Days of the Condor but The Conversation does it better than anybody else it's <laughs> It's, I mean, it's a truly sort of haunting movie. It's got one of the great closing shots of uh, any movie I can remember. Uh. Yeah, it's the one with the
1: camera going back and forth in the uh, room. When he's just yeah. uh,
0: by himself playing his saxophone.
1: I know. And um, I have to admit, I've only seen six films uh, by Francis Ford Coppola. It's a, a shameful. Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's but... the
0: thing, is he makes those in 73, makes Apocalypse Now in 1978, and then after that, uh he doesn't really make too many great movies. Uh he's got like Rumblefish and the Outsiders in the uh, eighties, <laughs> Dracula now in the nineties. Oh sorry, seventy nine. Yeah. yeah, it takes him five years after uh he did a uh, you know, a Conversation in Godfather Part Two. Apocalypse now I think of as being his sort of crowning achievement. Um,
1: I was going to mention that it's written. Uh, one of the writers is John Milius, who on the day of recording this is seventy-five, <laughs> so he doesn't make the list of eighty and older uh, or older. But uh, John Milius is uh, seventy-five today, so he's getting up there. But yeah, Apocalypse Now is a movie it could never get made today. Mm-hmm. It could never get. It would be. It's just too insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went insane making the
0: movie. There's <laughs> a famous documentary, Heart of Darkness, a filmmaker's journey. Into the Heart of Darkness, which is about Francis Ford Cope losing his mind. It doesn't like, uh, what's his name? Who's the star in it again? Um, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen has like a heart attack in the middle of yeah. the jungle. And then Marlon Brando, like, you know, can't remember any of his lines and he's just drunk all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. It turned out as incredible as it is. Apocalypse Now holds up so good. I've watched it pretty recently, I think last summer. And it's just unbelievable. Um,
1: I would love to be able to see it in a, a theater. Oh, I've yeah. To it like, be at
0: the presentation for this new one would be unbelievable.
1: It would uh, be great in IMAX.
0: Oh, yeah. It would be incredible. But, um, yeah, right. after Apocalypse Now, he sort of makes a bunch of uh, – One from the Heart came out in the early 80s and is uh, credited, I think, along with uh, um, Heaven's Gate as sort of destroying <laughs> the way they made movies in the 1970s.
1: And well, then, I think uh, Apocalypse Now also.
0: Oh, yeah. But Apocalypse Now at least was, you know, well-received. It wasn't a total waste of time. But uh, yeah. then he, like, gets oh, into I making like wine and stuff like that and sort of forgets about movies. But recently yeah. he announced he's going to make, <laughs> like, the movie he's been wanting to make his whole career, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Megapolis or something like yeah. that? <laughs> Which he well, says
0: I... everything he's learned in all of filmmaking is leading up to this. So.
1: Oh. It could be the best film (laughs) ever made. You never know. You never know. But, um, well, I was going to say the only, I've seen the three Godfather films, uh, The Conversation, Apocalypse Now, and Jack, which is a really bad film with Robin Williams, where he, uh, plays a kid who has this aging disease. So he looks like 50 year old Robin Williams. Well, that's the thing
0: with him. He had apparently made such poor financial decisions that he took a lot of like really bad movies just as like a job to make some money because he was like constantly in debt. Um. So a lot of promise, maybe like one of the most naturally gifted filmmakers we've ever seen, but he had such a short prime that it's really unfortunate compared to someone who, like Scorsese, he's still making classics even to this day.
1: Yeah, I I have to kind of somewhat correct what I said. I've also seen New York Stories, which he directed a segment of, so I guess you could say I've seen six and a third movies by coppola and his segment of that film is the worst uh yeah. life with uh, life without zoe but um i uh, i do need to see bram stoker bram stoker's dracula i've heard it's in a technical marvel all the practical mm-hmm. effects and oh the costumes effects.
0: everything like that i mean it's a great yeah. production but just some of the casting is so weird keanu reeves yeah. as uh, jonathan harker is particularly awful um But even, uh, you know, Gary Oldman is very game in the lead role, I'll give him that. But uh, we can move on, and we're going to sort of sort these by categories. Uh, And we won't spend
1: an hour on everyone.
0: No, no, I think that's probably the longest I'll spend on any director. So we'll start off with sort of his contemporaries, Hollywood directors, uh, sort of who worked around the same time as Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, We can start with William Friedkin, who was born in 1935 and made such classics as... The Exorcist, The French Connection and Sorcerer. Um, one of my favorite directors uh, from the 1970s. The French Connection still holds up, it's incredible. The Exorcist a little less so, but still a very effective horror movie. Jonathan said no, The
1: Exorcist is his best is is a better film. I mean The, the really French Connection's so? great. Yeah, oh The Exorcist, I love how John Landis said the you know Guided Animal House and Blues Brothers. He said that he's a complete atheist, mm-hmm. but the Exorcist is a great example of the willing suspension of disbelief because while he was watching that, he completely bought into the devil and Christ and exorcism, and it absolutely works. As soon as it's over, he it was like, I was still like, this is nonsense. But, yeah, the movie is so effective. I've seen um, – I actually saw the French connection for the first time when I was living in New York, they had a series at film forum of films shot in New York in the Mm seventies. And I got to see the French connection in a theater for the first time. And that was really, I'd never seen it before. So that was really cool. And I also saw in that series, uh, um cruising which is very Mm -hmm. controversial film he did uh, with al pacino going undercover he's a cop and he goes into the gay leather scene and goes to gay bars and um some people think the film's homophobic and some people think it was daring at the time for even tackling that subject matter but yeah i mean i think it's an interesting film and and you know that you know how cruising came about Mm -hmm. how the how because one of the people that worked uh, in the hospital when they filmed in The Exorcist ended up being a serial killer <laughs> that Cruising was based on. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so yeah, I actually saw Friedkin last year at the um, a Metrograph. He had a his new documentary uh, about supposedly a real exorcism. And it's not a great film. It's barely over an hour long and it's a glorified DVD extra. It would be something that would be on the Discovery channel. Mm. Um, but I got to see him in person and he's a great rock and tour. He's one of the best old school directors just to listen to talk about yeah. movies he's so fun
0: but yeah that was his last movie he made killer joe in 2011 with matthew mcconaughey which is a really good movie and sort of started yeah. matthew mcconaughey's uh, reemergence into the public uh sort his of consciousness yes exactly the reconnaissance as uh, scholars like yeah. to say
1: but his uh... <laughs> his last two uh, narrative films are both uh, both been based on Tracy Letts plays, uh, oh. Bug and Killer Joe and he also did um not Friedkin, but Tracy Letts did August Osage County okay. uh, which won the pulitzer prize. But um yeah, yeah, I really like Bug and Killer Joe. Friedkin's another one I've uh not seen enough films by. I've seen The French Connection, Have you seen The Sorcerer? Exorcist. No, but I've seen Remake good, of the uh... Wages
0: of Fear, which is a French movie from yeah. the 50s and sorcerer's got some incredible sequences in it there's one where they're carrying nitroglycerin uh to a construction site they're like ex-cons doing this very desperate job and there's this scene where they're taking it over a bridge which is just like the most rickety thing you could imagine and it's one of the best 10 to 15 minutes of uh any sort of like action movie you could think of it's like it's incredible everything's you know no special effects or anything like that it's it's unbelievable um,
1: Do you know what Freakin's first theatrical um, – well, his first narrative film is?
0: Uh,
1: I know The Boys oh, don't in the look Band it up. was an early one. Yeah, yeah uh, It's a, a Sonny and Cher film called Good Times, <laughs> and I've seen so it. Have, uh, that, that's one of the few films of his I've seen. I've seen Good Times, The French Connection, The Exorcist, Cruising, and his last three films, mm-hmm. the two, uh, Bug and Killer Joe, and then The, the Devil and uh, Father Amrith. Then another
0: uh, Hollywood director from the 60s, 70s that uh, definitely isn't really thought of today as being one of the great directors, but in his time had some real classics. It is Norman Jewison, who was born in 1926 uh, and directed In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, and Moonstruck, which are three very different movies and sort of shows his talent as one of those old school directors who you sort of plug in. He's not necessarily an auteur, but he'll deliver... A really good product. I actually just watched in the heat of the night last night. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's incredible. Um, and then Moonstruck, I watched the for the first time. Recently. Yeah, and that's the version I was watching on Blu-ray. It looks incredible. And then Moonstruck, I saw for the first time recently, it could not be more different than End of the Heat of the Night. It's like an ethnic comedy starring Cher and Nicolas Cage, which is a really charming movie. But it just showed the sort of touch he has as a director. That he can deliver both uh, really different genres, but make them like really high quality movies.
1: Yeah, I um I like one of the comedies he did in the '60s called "The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming," which stars Carl Reiner, Alan Arkin, Jonathan Winters, Eva Marie Saint. It was about the paranoia of the you know Russians attacking, and it uh, submarine comes up on the small. Uh, New England town, and Alan Arkin plays the Russian uh, submarine captain, and he's really funny. He got an Oscar nomination, and it was his first film ever. Uh, yeah, and he uh, also did the original Thomas Crown Affair. Mm-hmm. He did The Hurricane is one of his more recent ones. The boxing drama with Denzel Washington, which
0: should be better than it is. <laughs> it's not a very good movie.
1: But uh, yeah, Norman Jewison is one of the. By the way, not Jewish even though his name is Jewish <laughs> and just random trivia. I would not yeah, have that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. I should. It is a good movie. It's very,
0: yeah. I mean, it's pretty corny, but most musicals from the 60s, 70s are, so you have to give him yeah. a little bit of leeway.
1: Yeah, I mean, he right after that, he uh, two years later, his next film after that was Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> and uh, a, a really good film of his, have you ever seen A Soldier's Story, which stars a young Denzel I have Washington? Not, no. Yeah, it's 1984. It, it also has Adolf Caesar. And um, yeah, that's a really good um, you know crime film because it's about an, a soldier being accused of murder or oh. something like that. It's about an African-American officer investigates a murder in a racially charged situation in World War II. Yeah, it's a good early Denzel film. But yeah, he hasn't directed a film since 2003, The Statement with oh, yeah. Michael Caine. Not exactly uh, active. Yeah, but yeah, he's still around. He's in his 90s, born in 1925, Mm -hmm. but uh, 26, 26, so he's – yeah, so uh, who's who's the next one on the list? And then Philip Kaufman, born
0: in 1936, director of one of my favorite movies, The Right Stuff, and also The Unbearable Lightness of Being, and The Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, which I haven't seen, but you say is a really quality movie.
1: Yeah, I – still like the original from the 50s the best the one that don siegel directed but the one from the 70s was one of the best remakes of a horror film ever it's uh really uh creepy it's donald sutherland and um it's just it it leonard nimoy's in it uh brooke adams jeff goldblum veronica cartwright Oh um Yeah, uh, Don Siegel, I was just looking up, uh, plays a taxi driver in the film, the (laughs) director of the original, and Kevin McCarthy, who is the star of the original film. But yeah, um, he was, um, did you know that Philip Coffin is one of the screenwriters of Raiders of the Lost Ark? I did. He's actually writing
0: the upcoming Indiana Jones movie, which is sort of funny, or at least contributing to it.
1: Yeah. But The Right
0: Stuff is an incredible movie. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I've mentioned it at least a couple times on this definitely during the yeah. First Man podcast but I can just go on praising that movie forever. He also did Quills which was a very weird uh movie with Jeffrey beheadings Rush The right? It's exactly. Yeah, and... yeah. Where yeah. Jeffrey Rush plays the Marquis de Sade and uh, if you know anything about him, uh you know how strange of a character he was. Uh <laughs> And his most uh, recent uh, was uh, Hemingway and Gellhorn, the HBO movie, with Clive Owen and Nicole Kidman, which was uh, not very good.
1: Now, do you know what's significant about his 1990 film Henry and June, starring Uma Thurman? I do not. It was the first NC-17 rated film. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: About Henry Miller? (laughs) The writer of uh, Tropic of Cancer. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it stars Fred Ward as Henry Miller, Uma Thurman as June Miller, and Richard E. Grant and Kevin Spacey are in it.
0: Huh.
1: Um, Probably so, a movie that does not
0: age uh, super well from uh, just the description of it that I saw.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go into talk about comedy directors now. There are three comedy directors that are really important that are 80 and older. We have Woody Allen, born in 1935, December 1st uh he has directed almost a film a year since 1969 50 years ago take the money and run uh he started out with his early funny films Uh such as bananas sleeper and love and death and then he had his major transition with annie hall where it was still a comedy but it was more dramatic and a little more serious but still had a lot of gags
0: the next year he becomes like bergman light basically
1: Right. And he got nominated for Best Director for Interiors, uh, won Best uh, Director and Screenplay for Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. He's never once been to the Oscars when he's been nominated, but he did go once after 9-11. They- Had a They had a tribute to films filmed in New York, and he did a little uh, setup to that. But yeah, I mean, he's one of my 10 favorite living directors, top five. Mm -hmm. Uh, I adore him. I've seen every one of his movies. I've seen him in person. I got his autograph once when I was young, and I went to the Carlisle Hotel and stood in the back and had to get like $35 worth of orange juice. (laughs) And I got him to autograph my orange juice receipt. And it's funny because at the time there were only about three of his films they hadn't seen and i said i've seen almost all your films and he went almost almost uh but yeah i i i'm the person that thinks his weakest film is still like three out of five stars and like i would rather watch i would rather re-watch his worst movie than like watch most new movies these days (laughs) especially mainstream movies but he gets except in recent years with the me too stuff he's been able to get like amazing lineup of actors Mm -hmm. in his films like every movie star wants to be in his movies even though they won't get very much money and Mm -hmm. the movie won't make much money itself but which which ones have you seen of his
0: uh i would probably say around 50 percent uh i know (laughs) yeah probably a good deal i mean i've seen a lot of them two of my favorites are the ones he made in the late 80s which i think combine comedy and drama better than almost any other movies ever made which are Hannah and Her Sisters and Crimes and Misdemeanors, which are two ensemble pieces where he appears in both of them, but he's not as big of a role as he is in, like, Annie Hall or Manhattan. Um, and it's two of the best acting performances I think he gives in his own movies, especially in Hannah and Her Sisters. Um, but I th- he hit his stride really, really good in the 80s. Um, I mean, in the 70s, obviously, probably his most famous movies are Annie Hall and Manhattan, if I had to guess, but... Manhattan, the more I've watched it, the less impressed I've been with it. <laughs> I really like the beginning, where he's naming all the stuff he really likes over uh, the George Gershwin score, but aside from that, the whole plot with the the high school girl I find very weird, especially because it's <laughs> a little too close to real life. Um,
1: well, have you ever seen his film Zelig? I have not. Yeah, that's a That one, Radio Days, film. I've never seen Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, oh, that's all, all good. I mean, he basically... Didn't make, you know, you know, if you, if you picked his 15 weakest films, like 12 of them came out in the last 20 years. I mean, let's be honest, but still Zelig is an amazing film. It basically had the technology from Forrest Gump, but 10 years earlier, it's about a man who is like a chameleon. If he gets with someone, he can transform himself. Like if he gets near a fat person, he becomes fat. If he goes near a native American, he becomes native American. And They put him in old footage. Like, there's a scene where he's standing uh, in the background of a Hitler rally, and he's making, like, he's trying to wave at someone in the crowd. And Hitler turns around, and it seems (laughs) distracted by him. And it looks flawless. It came out in the early '80s. Oh wow! Like, like a decade before Forrest Gump, and it's like, you know, 80 minutes long, maybe. It's a a lot of his
0: are around like 80 minutes, uh, which is. I mean, he doesn't outwear his welcome.
1: And a female director that we have and a comedy legend is Elaine May who is only actually directed for theatrical films, but she is a comedy legend, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually got to see her earlier this year in New York City, uh, perform on stage in the Lon- Kenneth Lonergan play, The Waverly Gallery, and oh. she is uh, uh, born in 1932, and she had amazing comic timing still. So uh, Was known early with the... her partnership with Mike Nichols, who
0: went on to direct The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and uh, other movies like that.
1: Yes, and uh, Elaine May has directed the four films she's done are The Heartbreak Kid, A New Leaf Mikey and Nikki, and Ishtar, which people consider to be this huge, massive failure, but then there's been a reappraisal of it, and people said, no people were wrong, it's actually a really funny smart film, but I've seen The Heartbreak Kid, which is one of the i say it's one of the top films that people should have to watch before they get married or have a serious relationship. It's oh, yeah. it's like a, a – re- yeah, it's about a man who really quickly falls in love with a woman and they marry. And on the way to their honeymoon, he realizes he can't stand his wife and he ends up falling in love with a woman on his honeymoon <laughs> with another woman. Uh, it was remade Charles with Grodin. Ben Stiller, right? Yeah, the Farrelly brothers, but we will not talk of that. Um, it, the original is really good. I'm teaching a female director's class in the fall, and I'm almost certain I'm going to show The Heartbreak Kid. Uh, it stars Charles Grodin and Sybil Shepard. And uh, her her film, Mikey and Nikki, came out in the Criterion Collection a few months ago, starring Peter Falk and John Cassavetes, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because they did a lot of films together uh, that Cassavetes directed, Mm -hmm. but this is the two of them acting together in a film by Elaine May. And she wrote a number of films like The Birdcage. Um, and she's acted in films, and she was in uh, Woody Allen's uh, Amazon TV series called C- "Crisis in Six Scenes," which mm-hmm. starred the two of them as a couple, and also Miley Cyrus was in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's a comedy legend, and it's kind of sad she only was able to direct four films. Mm-hmm. There's a there, here's a really uh, sad statistic between 1949 and 1979, thirty years. There were something like 7,700 something big Hollywood studio films. How many were directed by women? 14. And oh, three wow. of those were Elaine May yeah so that's a, that's a pretty depressing statistic yeah at 7700 something and 14 were directed by women wow but anyway uh those are some uh Woody allen mel brooks and elaine may are three of the most important comedy directors of the last 50 years and mel brooks hasn't done a film in over 25 years mm-hmm. his last one was um uh well i didn't talk about mel brooks did i we no you haven't yeah brooks. yeah yeah you told me to jump right into <laughs> elaine may okay Okay, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, born in 1926, comedy legend. He's only directed um, about 12. Uh, no, I think he's only directed 11 films, but uh, three of them uh, with Mel, uh, Gene Wilder are three of the funniest films ever made. The producers, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And you want to talk about great years? Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein came out the same year in 1974. Oh wow! So that's up there. Oh, no, that is well, up there. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the same all three year of those. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. Um Yeah. Well it's also um all three of those were in the top fifteen of the AFI's list of the one hundred funniest American films. Oh, so wow. um yeah, I, I mean, be honest, like half of Mel Brooks films aren't good and they're yeah. not funny and they're you know, like I mean, to be honest, Spaceballs is not very good. I like uh, it. But I watched it when yeah. I was a
0: kid, so it's more nostalgic yeah. than anything.
1: So, like, yeah, I did like it when I was young, too, but Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula I think Dead, that one's pretty funny. Sticks. I
0: think Robin Hood, Men in Tights is actually pretty funny.
1: But it doesn't, like, compare No, 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 no. not close to Blazing
0: Log. Saddles, which is, like, much more than a comedy. It's, like, one of the classic American movies.
1: Yeah, and I think an underrated film of his is the one he did in Between the Producers and Blazing Saddles, The Twelve Chairs, which uh-huh. stars... Uh, Frank Langella and Ron Moody, mm-hmm. and it's uh, based on this f- uh, famous—I uh, don't know if you call it a folk tale—but it's a story about a uh, pe- people that are trying to find some jewels that have been sewn into the seat of a chair, and they have—they're going around Russia smashing different chairs. There's these twelve chairs, and they're trying to find the one. That has the jewels in it. Yeah, it's like no one's seen it hardly. It's uh, one yeah. of his lesser-known films, but it's really good. And I also think uh, Silent Movie is really funny. Uh, oh, yeah? That's one, yeah, that's one of his best, And I then you did High
0: Anxiety, which is like a, a Hitchcock yeah. spoof, which is not very yeah. good.
1: Well, the high, high Anxiety and History World Part 1 are hit Which I like. Yeah, but the scenes that are funny are oh, hilarious yeah. oh, it's yeah, just yeah, that yeah. there's stuff that doesn't work very well but yeah I would say I would say by far his three best films are the three he did with Gene Wilder and then like you could argue about the rest of them mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think sometimes I've said before that Young Frankenstein is his best film and that Blazing Saddles is his funniest film and the producers is his most outrageous film
0: that could be true Young Frankenstein is yep. probably the best directed um So i feel like blazing saddles is a lot of just pointing the camera at the funny people obviously it's more than that but young frankenstein works really well as like a pastiche of the 30s universal monster movies
1: and you can tell he really loves them Uh it's really lovingly made but um yeah so uh i actually gave a quiz to my comedy class recently so both Woody allen and mel brooks jewish born in brooklyn new york wrote for sid caesar's your show of shows still alive the difference is Mel Brooks has only directed eleven films, hasn't done one over in twenty five years. Woody Allen's done about fifty, and and even though he, Amazon is he's suing Amazon, and his new film hasn't come out, it's finished, it has a rating and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, he's still going to shoot another film in Spain uh, this year, I think. Oh wow! He's planning, so he's not going to let any anything stop him. I don't know if he's, he's going to get seen, but he's yeah. going to make them at least. But, uh, what are some famous actor directors, you know, B- Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and Elaine May are all, uh, actor directors, but what are some more, uh, Carter? Uh, probably the two I think of most
0: iconic in terms of absolute movie stars who went on to become well-respected directors in their own right are Robert Redford, born in 1936, who made his directorial debut with Ordinary People in 1980 and very famously beat Raging Bull for, uh best picture and then uh a river runs through it came out in the early 90s and quiz show in 1994 which i think might be his best
1: movie um by the way the guy who ray fines plays in that film just died recently oh wow that must have an old guy jesus 93 yeah yeah Yeah.
0: because that takes place like mid 50s and he's like 30 at least in the movie but robert redford uh did he direct the old man of the gun that came out this year
1: No, he started in it. It was David Lowery. That's one of the things about him is
0: he doesn't direct himself very often.
1: Um, No, he did one called The Company You Keep that had an amazing cast. I think that was actually the last uh, real uh, film he directed. I mean, that film had like six Academy Award winners. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Like, here's the cast. This is the cast of – it's called uh, The Company You Keep. It came out in 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay, Robert Redford, Shia LaBeouf. Julie Christie, Susan Strandon, Nick Nolte, Chris Cooper, Terrence Howard, Stanley Tucci, Richard Jenkins, Anna Kendricks, Brendan Gleeson, Britt Marling, Sam Elliott, Stephen Root, insane cast.
0: That's unbelievable. And then yeah. he did Lions for Lambs in two thousand seven, which also had a really good cast. But uh, he, I mean, he hasn't reached uh, the heights he has directing that he did in the eighties and nineties, which is a little disappointing. Legend of Badger, Bagger Vance from 2000 is a good movie. Uh, never seen The Horse Whisperer. I know that was sort of a thing when it came out, but that's not exactly a movie people talk about anymore. Um,
1: yeah. I've only seen of the films he's directed quiz show, but that's a really good you've movie. You've never seen Ordinary People? No, I oh, haven't. Wow. It's worth seeing I, I just because,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, knowing that it beat Raging Bull. Um, yeah. Timothy I, Hutton is really fantastic in it. Also, Donald I'm, Sutherland, really good. And Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. who's like known for comedy, actually, is great performance as an awful mom. Really good performance as yeah. just a total bitch of a mom, which is uh, sort <laughs> yeah. of against type.
1: Um, and uh, I would say one of the most – I would say the director that is like a, in America that's still working, uh, who is the other major actor-director?
0: Uh, Clint Eastwood, born in 1930, yeah. who just had uh, The Mule come out last year. And uh, he's as good as ever. It was a really good movie. Yeah. Um, he had two films come
1: out last year.
0: Which were, oh, the other one was the twelve nineteen to Paris or whatever yeah, the hell 15, it was Yeah, fifteen seventeen to Paris. Yeah, there but it's go. crazy
1: that he's eighty eight years old and he had two films come out last year. He directed. Yeah, but he's also yeah. known for
0: doing the outlaw Josie Wales, which was one of his early westerns. Sort of uh, what he. I mean he started off he directed Play Misty for me which is a uh, very different than you think of as being a Clint Eastwood movie then made a whole bunch of westerns and then Unforgiven 1992 and then in the early 2000s sort of reinvents himself as this sort of uh, gritty urban dark uh, filmmaker with Mystic River and Million Dollar Baby um, which were both fantastic movies. Million Dollar Baby won Best Picture, Mystic River got a whole bunch of awards. Uh what do you think of uh, those sort of phases of Clint Eastwood's career?
1: Well, he's a director that I've I've only seen Play Misty f- uh, for me, uh, and I've seen Unforgiven. I've seen Million Dollar Baby, and then I've seen his last 10 films in a row in their original release in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, oh, he's amazing. I mean, it's incredible the number of movies he's done that are so good when he was in his like late 60s and upward. I mean, yeah. I think Changeling is really underrated, one of Angelina Jolie's best performances. It really is. Uh, yeah, it's like a, she manages to give a real – grounded performance but also be this like amazing old school movie star mm-hmm. it's like if the film had come out when it was set like you could see betty davis starring in it mm-hmm. um or joan crawford but i uh, yeah i really like the mule i i was like really surprised by how much i liked the mule i oh, thought me it too. really good um i thought that um i mean I like I, I mean even something like sully it's like sully is like he's it's so cool that he's that old and he's just like i'm just gonna do this it, it's like it's not amazing Mm -hmm. but it's just like it's exactly what you expect it to be like tom hanks is perfectly cast of course tom hanks is going to play sully and he just it's like sully himself he just gets the job done it's just (laughs) like here's the movie boom 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 and you know he's very old school
0: and just sort of like how norman jewison we were talking about how you can just sort of plug him into almost any sort of movie and he'll like make it a well-crafted good movie he's like really for someone who's such a big movie star he's uh like into the craft of filmmaking is really, really good. And all of his movies yeah. have a great
1: look to them. And the, and he really is almost. It's interesting. Like he's a genre director because he'll do every. He did Jersey Boys, was a musical. He'll do, do biopics. He does war films. He does westerns. He does thrillers. I mean, does sci science fiction with space cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different types of films he's done. And I I really still want to. I wish there he had got. He was going to direct A Star Is Born mm-hmm. with the Cooper and Beyonce. And I, I oh come on, you would rather see that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean. I, I just want to see Clint Eastwood directing Beyonce. It would oh, be yeah. great. But um, the other thing I was going to mention is, is that I, I love this story. I heard that he was shooting one of his recent films. And he does like one take or mm-hmm. two if he has to. And the DP wow, said – Wow, that's crazy. Cl-, yeah, he said, Clint, this sh- the shot's a little out of focus. And he said, uh, people know what I look like by now. <laughs> <laughs> I that's that crazy. I,
0: don't, I didn't realize that. One or two takes is unreal. I know, yeah. Like, well, him stories of Allen. like David Fincher doing a hundred, but one or two is insane.
1: But yeah, uh, well, Woody Allen, the, the the story about shooting with Woody Allen, I love that there, uh, during Vicky Cristina Barcelona, he was shooting a scene with Scarlett Johansson and Penelope Cruz were making out, and he thi- he thought that there was a spot like on his hand or something, he, there's thought he, had, he thought he had cancer or something, and he couldn't wait for the day to be done with so he could go to the doctor and end up being nothing. But he has two of the hottest movie stars making out in front of him. And he just he couldn't. He, he's like, I want to go home. I don't want I don't care. Just finish shooting. And I just love that. It's like so Woody Allen. He's like neurotic and like he you know, he doesn't really care about the two hot movie stars making out in front of him. We can I transition
0: not. from that uh, delightful anecdote to <sighs> some British directors who are over eighty. Uh, we can start with probably the most famous of this sort of generation, Ridley Scott, who was born in 1937. Um, first, he started off directing music videos and commercials, sort of stuff like that. Uh, then, uh, the Duelist from the late 70s was his first theatrical movie. Have you ever seen that?
1: No, I should. I, Period, I own piece the Blu-ray
0: with uh, Harvey Keitel um sort of about napoleonic soldiers and like the practice of dueling really beautiful movie uh, it's
1: based on a story by joseph conrad which apocalypse now is based uh, you know on his writing
0: mm-hmm. but yeah and Did then you know he that? makes alien right after that which is yeah. one of the still holds up to today one of the greatest horror sci-fi movies ever made uh makes blade runner a couple of years later which similarly considered one of the best sci-fi movies ever made um, and one of the
1: most influential certainly
0: oh for sure uh, that makes, uh, he's sort of commercial director, very sort of plug and play. I don't think of Ridley Scott as being a real auteur. Uh, he wins best director for Gladiator in 2000 and then just keeps making big budget movies, uh, sort of to the present day. Um, but
1: I really like the Martian. I yeah. thought that was really good, but for never such classic movies.
0: Uh, you don't think of him as being one of the great all time directors.
1: Yeah, I was saying he's never won an uh, Oscar. He uh, Gladiator won Best Picture, but he he was nominated for Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, and Black Hawk Down, but oh, wow. he's never won. Okay, but uh, Black Hawk but, Down uh, is yeah, a good I,
0: example I, of I think Ridley Scott as a director. It doesn't feel like a Ridley Scott movie, but it's really well made, and that's just sort of what, what he's movie that uh, Black Hawk Down.
1: Oh yeah, I was looking at that up recently. That has an insane cast. Like oh, yeah. like no one. You can't tell who anyone is, but it's like there's yeah, so many people in it. all wearing helmets
0: and have buzz cuts.
1: I know that it's like it has Tom Hardy in it, and he's like you people. You forget that are, you know Nicolai young in their. Coster
0: waldu from Game of Thrones is in it. <laughs> yeah,
1: Eric uh, and um, Ty Burrell from yeah. not Ty Burrell from uh, Modern Families. Oh it. yeah, he yeah. is in
0: it. Orlando, I Blur. have.
1: <laughs> I have seen uh, uh, All the Money in the World, Alien Covenant, The Martian, Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Counselor, Prometheus, Robin Hood. Um,
0: which none of them you'd really uh, consider great movies.
1: No. I remember, I don't know why, I remember thinking Robin Hood was really underrated. I thought that was a lot it was of good. fun. I don't really remember. good
0: Oscar Isaac performance, actually.
1: Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, I thought it was so cool that he it was able to change All the Money in the World and, like, two months and like just reshoot it all and with Christopher Plummer who was like 88 years old Mm -hmm. and it was like crazy that he was able to do that so fast and he's still working I mean I love to I saw one of those Hollywood roundtable uh discussions with the director Mm -hmm. and they're talking about the Martian and so and the question was what was the most difficult thing about shooting the Martian it wasn't difficult it was really easy just got it together and did it (laughs) and he's like you know 78 years old or something and it's just like technical marvel with all these characters and he's like yeah it was easy just did it you know probably
0: probably producers love him he's probably really good at getting movies in under budget for really big budget movies just because he's such a proficient filmmaker um another british director born 1936 ken loach very different from ridley scott in that barely any of his movies are seen by anyone and they never make any money uh, probably his most famous one is Cass, which came out in the late 60s. Did it win Palme d'Or at Cannes? I know it got a a lot of uh, distinguished awards. It's about a uh, young boy in northern England who has the saddest life you can possibly think of and then re- gets a falcon who he takes care of and then the falcon dies and everything is sad again. Um, <laughs> not exactly the most cheery movie a lot of Ken Loach's movies are about sort of the working man and the struggles of the average British person. Uh, my favorite movie that he's made is The Wind That Shakes the Barley, which is about the Irish Revolution. Uh, it stars Cillian uh, Murphy's in it, uh, in the leading role. It, it did win Palme d'Or at Cannes. Yeah. I know that.
1: Two of his films uh, this century have won, uh, The Palm Door, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, and I, Daniel Blake. Those are the two that have won. But yeah, I, I've actually only seen one of his movies. I saw it in a film class. Which one? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, uh, I, If I saw the name of it, I would remember. Is it but, uh, Yeah. No. Were you in uh, uh, Porton's class with me? Oh, okay. I can't remember what the title of the movie was. It came out in the 90s, I think. Okay. Oh, Land and Freedom. okay. Okay, we watched that film. but yeah, yeah Definitely uh, like a did...
0: filmmaker's filmmaker. Like not many people have seen his movies, but he's very well respected among
1: directors. One of his most acclaimed films of the century so far, besides the ones that won the Palme d'Or, is one called Sweet 16. It has a 86 on Metacritic. And one reason it's a notable film is that it has the word fuck 313 times. Good and Lord. the movie is only uh, 106 minutes long. Holy shit. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know why I, I didn't, I haven't even seen the film, but I just know that fact about it. You know, they, I actually uh, almost went, I almost went to see one of his movies in a theater once and one? I, I put my foot down. I put my foot down. I went to a the movie theater in North <laughs> Carolina and they were showing it on a Blu-ray and I went, I'm not doing this. I'm not paying to see a movie on Blu-ray. No, that is the
0: ridiculous. It's, you might as well just buy yeah. the freaking Blu-ray.
1: Yeah. But, uh, who's the other, uh, big British director we have listed?
0: One of my favorite all time, uh directors that isn't necessarily thought of as being you know up there with the kubricks and hitchcocks of the world james ivory born in 1928 the master of the literary adaptation uh made some great em Forster adaptations in the 80s with a room with a view and then howard's end in the early 90s and also maurice which uh stars uh hugh grant in one of his early roles uh and then The Remains of the Day in the early nineties. Uh <laughs> he had a partnership with Ismail Merchant, who was his producer and also longtime romantic partner, uh, who died in the early two thousands, I think. And James Ivory has not directed a lot since, but wrote Call Me by Your Name, which came out a couple years ago and received an Oscar nomination for that screenplay. Um He won. Oh, did he really? I
1: yeah, he won. Oh wow, I forgot and,
0: about
1: that uh, completely. Yeah, he um he was wearing a shirt with Timothy Chalamet on it. He was wearing a, uh, like a car, like a uh, caricature of him. But yeah, he hasn't directed a film in a decade. His last film 2009 was The City of Your Final Destination. I've never actually seen any of his movies that he's directed. Oh, wow. I've seen "Call Me by Your Name," but um, I I love the fact that he's been trying to for years and years make a 3D film version of Richard II with Tom Hiddleston. I love the idea that he's. I saw that his, that
0: was on his IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: was I don't. Like, I don't what
0: know. What the hell is this?
1: I don't know that you know they're going to let a guy who turns 91 in June t- <laughs> direct a 3D Richard II, but that would be amazing. It would be fantastic. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's uh. <laughs> The only thing I really know about him besides seeing Call Me By Your Name, I love in Waiting for Guffman when he's has all these weird memorabilia and he has a Remains of the Day lunchbox for sale. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, the kids love it. <laughs> anyway. No, but but um, I love
0: James Ivory. I cannot overstate how much I love A Room with a View. One of my favorite novels, the adaptation, might be even better. Howard's End is the same way. You got to watch some James Ivory movies. He's the best. Yeah.
1: I know, he, he does the, like... The you know, austere
0: PBS. British PBS, exactly, masterpiece uh, costume yeah. drama. He does it better than anybody, and that is just my favorite right. kind of movie.
1: Right. Well, um, so are we going to go to the European directors, which I will introduce? We will or do you want to? go across the English Channel, and Jonathan yeah. will
0: present you with some of uh, the best uh, European directors over 80.
1: Yes, yeah, so we have Jean-Luc Godard, who is 88 years old, born in 1930, who had his feature uh, uh, debut with *Breathless* and has and had an amazing string of films in the 60s. Uh, did you know? Probably Contempt, masculine, movies.
0: feminine, Alphaville. Uh, two or three I things I know about her. Uh, Band of Outsiders. It really just goes Weekend. on and on. It was like every movie he was coming out with. Uh, A movie that absolutely changed the landscape of cinema. Um, People rank him in the pedestal, you know, top three directors of all time. A lot of people think of him as one of the most important, most influential directors of all time. Um, Watching a Godard movie from the 60s today, they still seem revolutionary. And, like, where the hell does he come up with these ideas? Um, I haven't seen the Image book, which actually came out this year. But Jonathan did and reviewed that in an earlier podcast. But the fact he's still making movies is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and we were joking uh, when Anya Svarta died that he's you know he's the last one. He's going to live forever. He's like a cockroach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I need to see more of his films. I've only seen Breathless, A Woman Is a Woman, uh, his like five hour version of History of Cinema. And I saw Goodbye to Language in the image book in their original release in a theater. Uh-huh. So I need to catch up with all the 60s films. After uh,
0: the 60s, uh, which a lot of them, as experimental as they are, have some sort of coherent narrative structure to them or at least seem familiar to someone who has watched movies before. But after that <laughs> yeah. point, he like, becomes so experimental that his movies are no longer something that would seem familiar to someone who's just used to watching you know, Hollywood movies or something like that. It gets really out there.
1: Yeah, the image book is demanding. I'll say that. Um, no, I thought it was great. I really, I, I really got stuff from it. I don't know exactly what I got from it, but I got stuff from it. Um, but uh, another director that's really influential albeit controversial, is Roman Polanski, who is born in 1933, a uh, great Polish director, scum human being, but great director who did Rosemary's Baby, Chinatown, The Pianist, Repulsion, The Ghost Writer*. He had a film that came out in Cannes in 2017 called Based on a True Story, which was written by Olivia Sasis. has never gotten released in the U.S. Oh, wow. uh, and he's shooting a film, or I think he's already finished shooting a film Based that on has affair. an... I know it has an insane cast, Jean Dujardin, and uh, just a ton of famous uh, European actors. Yeah, I mean, he's had a hard life. I mean, part of it's brought on by himself by drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl, uh, which is inexcusable. But uh, both his parents were in concentration camps. His mother died in Auschwitz. Uh, His his wife wife was famously murdered. Yeah, Sharon Tate was only 25 and pregnant. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I will absolutely still pay to see all of his movies in a the theater. Uh I think he's one of our greatest living directors. Uh and yeah, bad person great director. Mhm. Chinatown on,
0: uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I think
1: oh. it's the best movie of the
0: 70s, even better than both of the Godfather movies and I will fight anybody who uh wants to argue with me on that one. Um I watched it recently. Best Jack Nicholson performance of all time. Uh I love Roman Polanski's cameo in it. Chinatown is an absolutely perfect movie. So uh, it's it's a shame that the person who made it is such a scumbag, but at least he made what is a perfect piece of cinema.
1: Have you ever... Well, I want to recommend a really weird film of his. Have you ever heard of The Tenant?
0: uh that's from the 60s it's like an apartment
1: uh the 70s okay it so he has his apartment trilogy of repulsion rosemary's baby and the third one's the tenant it's very weird he stars in the movie and uh he directed it and it's about a guy who gets an apartment and the woman tried to commit suicide or did she or what exactly happened we don't know and he ends up like becoming her like he starts dressing as a woman and wearing a wig and it's like he it's like this whole thing about identity it's oh. a very weird film it has a interesting cast as melvin douglas and shelly winters in it well, uh, yeah weird. it's yeah yeah the Tenant's one of those like wtf like 70s like art house horror films it's like what is this yeah, yeah. But uh, another one I recommend that's, uh, that he actually stars in, too, is The Fearless Vampire Killers. Or, pardon me, but your teeth are in my neck, which actually has Sharon Tate in it Oh my uh, God. also. But, yeah, it's a vampire comedy from the 60s. But, yeah, I mean, amazing director. Uh, I've seen uh, most of his movies, except I've never seen The Pianist, which he won the mm-hmm. Oscar for. And yeah. is absolutely fantastic uh, World War II drama yeah. with Adrian Brody. Yeah, which he won the Oscar. I think he's still the youngest Best Actor mm-hmm. winner ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now he going to another international director, going to Europe. Yeah. Oh no, Paul oh, Verhoeven. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, we got one more. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven. He's uh, born nineteen thirty eight. Uh, I've never actually seen any of his uh, foreign language films, but Neither I've have seen I. Uh, I've seen all of his. Uh, English language films, though uh, he, uh, some of his uh, foreign films are *Soldier of Orange* and *The Fourth Man*. And he went to Hollywood and he directed films like *RoboCop*, *Total Recall*, *Basic Instinct*, and *Starship the amazing Showgirls too. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a provocateur. He's a really genuinely good director, but he also makes films that get uh, you know irritate people. Um, but uh, I, I returned to form last...
0: recently with uh, the movie. L. L, yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. L is amazing. It, it, it's that is one of the greatest uh, in recent years coming together of a director and an actor. Like Paul Verhoeven and Isabelle Hubert in a rape comedy is just like heaven to me. And he is making now, I heard that they finished shooting it, but he's having surgery, so it's not going to get finished until next year. He has a lesbian nun film called Bernadette with uh Charlotte Rampling and so you you had me at Paul Verhoeven lesbian film with Charlotte Rampling I mean come on yeah so uh oh my god I just imagining that makes me so happy um but as I was I jumped the gun a little bit we're going to another uh international director we're going to Chile for Alejandro Jodorowsky the madman brilliant director he's 90 years old and he's only directed about seven feature films and he's had gaps of like 25 years between movies but he's uh is best known for his midnight movies from the 70s such as el topo and the holy mountain which he also starred in and he's done two films just for hire one called tusk which is a family elephant film and he did one called the rainbow Thief which starred Omar Sharif and Christopher Lee and uh, but then he came back after 25 years and did uh, two autobiographical films The Dance of Reality and Endless Poetry which are both wonderful and he says, I'm going to make at least three more movies. He's in his early 90s, and he's still going to make movies. And I got to see him when I was in New York at the screening of Endless Poetry. And that was a really big deal for me. And I was sitting uh, in the theater, and Patti Smith was sitting behind me. Oh, wow. And Roger- Rosario Dawson was there too. Uh, name drop. But um, yeah, Alejandro Jodorowsky is a crazy madman, and I love him to death. I, I- I wrote after I saw The Holy Mountain for the first time. I said, I want him to officiate my wedding. (laughs) Like, I just, like, he needs to live to be 140. He needs to be the oldest person alive. You know, he needs to break (laughs) the Guinness Book World Record. But, yeah, I love him. And I I legitimately hope he keeps making movies. And if you've never seen it, also, you need to see Jodorowsky's Dune. Because Uh he was going to do Dune before David Lynch did it. And it is, like, the greatest film never made. Because it was going to be done uh with pink floyd music the sets and the design were going to be done by hr geiger before he worked on alien it was going to star keith carradine mick jagger gloria swanson salvador dolly orson what? wells and it was just like every and he had the entire film storyboarded every shot and he went to hollywood with all this talent and they said no it's too weird we won't do it wow and it's like it's 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 like oh my god what what it, what could have been no talk about and a yeah.
0: what if that's like Stanley Kubrick's uh, Napoleon movie that just like oh I shit know. I wish that had gotten made
1: I know and now we have Denis Villeneuve or how do you say <laughs> Denis then? Villeneuve yeah yeah who did the uh, uh, arrival he's doing Dune mm. and it has a great cast but um, anyway uh, we're going to talk about two documentary dr- you've never seen any of Jodorowsky's films have you
0: no I have not
1: okay you're you're too white bread to yes, you're I too am. normal to watch his movies right yes,
0: i'm the one who watches james ivory movies
1: <laughs> i know i remember i showed my mom purposely only the first 10 minutes of the holy mountain i said i just want to show you the first 10 minutes so you get a taste of jodorowsky and afterwards she said yeah that was enough i don't need to see any more um but um but she actually did see the documentary with me jodorowsky's doing and she thought that was good i mean um that would might actually be an interesting way to start with him okay. but um But anyway, uh, we'll go to documentary directors. Uh, One of my all-time favorite directors, Frederick Wiseman, he's 89 years old, born January 1st in 1930, and he is like Woody Allen, done about a film every year since the late 60s. His first film was 1967's Tittacock Follies, which is one of the most... Important and controversial uh, documentaries where he filmed in a mental institution, and it's a very harrowing, upsetting film where you see the injustice and the, you know, mistreatment of the inmates. And he's done pretty much a film uh, every year or two since then. And what he does is he goes to institutions and he films and gets a bunch of footage, and then he comes and he edits it, and he doesn't have any narration or direct interviews or added music, no title cards. He just films different institutions ranging from a a ballet company in France, a boxing gym in Texas, the New York Public Library, a zoo. Uh, You never really know where he's going to go. And Some people would think it's boring to watch a three-hour and 17-minute documentary about the New York Public Library, but I think they're fascinating. You're just watching how real life unfolds and how businesses and institutions work. And I just think he's one of our most important uh, directors. And every time he has a film come out, it's like a treat. And I got to see him last year at the New York Film Festival uh, when I went up, and his newest film was called um, Monrovia, Indiana. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to do next, but I I assume as long as his health uh, is with him, he will keep making his documentaries. Uh, and I, I, I went through a series of them. Uh, I saw a random group of them from like the late 80s or early 90s. I mean, I haven't seen nearly enough of his movies, but uh, I would highly recommend starting I haven't seen starting, any of them. Yeah, I would recommend Titicock Follies. And oh, well, the big one. I went to see Near Death in theaters, which is a six-hour black-and-white documentary about people dying in a Boston ICU hospital unit, and there was three hours, a little over three hours, and then there was a 10-minute break. And then almost another three hours that that was uh, I I prepared for that. I I didn't drink too much during the day. I really slept. I ate enough and I like I I had some uh, I had some wheat thins in a Ziploc bag in my pocket (laughs) in case I got hungry. I mean, and I didn't miss a second of it. I was very proud. It's the longest film I've ever actually seen in a theater. Um, And it's a tremendous film. It's just has a very small audience of people who want to watch a six hour black and white documentary of people dying in a hospital. But um, I adore Frederick Wiseman. And uh, if if you have any of you have Canopy, his films are available on that streaming service that's connected through libraries. Mm -hmm. And then another director is D.A. Pennybaker, who I've also seen in person. He's directed a number of famous um, music documentaries, such as Monterey Pop, which I saw him at a screening of. Uh, The Bob Dylan documentary, Don't Look Back. Mm And he did the War Room, mm-hmm. uh, and he was born in 1925. And he had a film that he co-directed not that long ago. It was about the uh, ethical treatment of, you know, testing animals, mm-hmm. and it was the it was called Unlocking the Cage or something like that. But he's best known for his uh, music documentaries, mm-hmm. which were really influential. One of the yeah. first
0: sort of major star documentary filmmakers, D.A. Pennebaker,
1: right. Yeah, and he did get an honorary Oscar in uh, 2013, and he was nominated for the War Room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which so is he's, about he's, Bill Clinton's uh, campaign
0: in 1992. Made a star of James Carville. Really yeah. incredible documentary about sort of the inside of politics.
1: Yeah, and Monterey Pop is the one I said I saw in mm-hmm. person. I saw him has in an person. An person. Iconic oh, Jimi oh,
0: Hendrix performance in it, and also an iconic oh, Otis Redding performance.
1: Oh, I mean the people that are in that. You have the mamas and the papas. Art Garfunkel and uh, Paul Simon. Art Gar- Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. You have um, Jimi Hendrix. You have Janis Joplin. The Animals. I mean, it, The Who. I mean, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Country Joe and the Fish. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's an amazing lineup of uh, talent. But yeah. So uh, go and watch some of and rock out to some of his concert films. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to end with a few directors that are 95 and older. Um, I will mention one of them because I talked about the comedy directors. Another one is Carl Reiner, who is uh, 97 years old, born in 1922. And I'm Facebook friends with him. Uh, He is probably best known for creating the Dick Van Dyke television series. Mm -hmm. uh, But he also directed a number of Steve Martin early films such as the jerk and all of me mm-hmm. directed the george burns comedy oh god um he did the 2000 year old man comedy recordings with mel brooks and mm-hmm. their best friends they still watch a movie just about every other night they say that their favorite type of movie to watch is any movie where a character says hold the perimeter you know, he, they want to watch a movie like that um so yeah he's still going he hasn't directed a movie in like 25 years uh-huh. But he uh, was on Sarah Silverman's Hulu show recently. He was been on Angie Tribeca. He's on talk show hosts all the time, mm-hmm. uh, talk shows all the time. He was on Conan a few years ago, and earlier in the day, he had fallen down his stairs, and he still was able to come. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's awesome. Carl uh, Reiner still very funny. Uh, comedy legend and has directed a number of classic comedies. And also, I recommend if you've never seen it, a film that could not get made today because it's super dark and politically incorrect Where's Papa with George Siegel and Ruth Gordon, where he's basically trying to scare his mother to death to, <laughs> so she'll have a heart attack. And there's jokes about mugging, and it's like really, uh, you know, he's trying to put his mom in a home or kill her. Uh, it's very dark, but uh, it's one of those kind of 70s dark comedies that just don't get made today today because it's too, uh, wrong, but, uh, (laughs) good God. What are, what are some other 95 and old? Yeah,
0: we'll wrap up with, uh, one of the great Shakespeare film directors, Franco Zeffirelli born in 1923 in Italy, uh, did the taming of the shrew, uh, and Romeo and Juliet, which I'm sure a lot of people were forced to watch in their high school literature class. Um, two, probably the most famous Shakespeare adaptations ever put on film, Obviously, Kenneth Branha became sort of the big Shakespeare director later in the 90s. And before him, there was the Laurence Olivier. But Zeffirelli made really colorful adaptations uh, that were very faithful to the original uh, uh, plays. And two of my favorite Shakespeare adaptations. I'm a really big Shakespeare fan and especially love Shakespeare on film. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of the play Romeo and Juliet, but I think his version is the best version Boz is all over the place and I don't really like it. <laughs> and there he are some others of, that are...
1: Uh... He, he, he did a version of Hamlet in 1990 with Mel Gibson and Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the most... Uh, one of the things that most people have probably seen is uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the TV miniseries that came out in 1927. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, 1977. And it stars... Um, Oh, that has an incredible cast. It has Anne Bancroft, Ernest Bordenine, uh, Ian McShane, Christopher Plummer, Olivia Hussey, Michael York, Car- uh, Claudia Cardellini, mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier, James Mason, Anthony Quinn, Rod Steiger, Ian Holm. Holy yeah. shit. But, yeah, they had a bunch of people. I was trying to play <laughs> Jesus. Robert Powell. Okay. But uh, anyway, and uh, I actually went to an interview with Anna Paquin once, uh, and she was in uh, one of his movies when she was a kid. And uh, I asked her, what was it like working with Spielberg and Franco Zeffirelli when you were young? And by the way, Franco Zeffirelli turns 96 in uh, in a few weeks. She goes, oh my goodness. And the interviewer (laughs) said, you'll have to tell him happy birthday. He's supposedly not like in the greatest of health and not all mentally there. But, you know, he's 97. Cut him some. I mean, for real. Oh, yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, and then I just want to mention uh, this is almost just like a technicality. No, um, no, Zeffirelli is ninety six. He was born in February twelfth, nineteen twenty three. But the last one, so I have a list on my blog, uh, Winchell's Film Column. If you want to look at some other people, uh, the criteria for my list is that the directors are living, eighty or older, and have directed at least two feature theatrical films. And the oldest one that I can come up with is actually Kirk Douglas, who directed two films, uh, Scalawag and Posse. They both came out in the 70s, and they're westerns, I think, or at least one of them is. And he was born December 9th, 1916. He's 102 years old. So those are – we've mentioned a number of directors that are 80 and older. Hopefully by the time this posts tomorrow, none of them will have died. (laughs) Um, Stanley Donnan was
0: one uh, in Agnes Varda earlier this year, which was a real shame.
1: I know the. I actually made the list for the first time uh, when Mike Nichols died. That's what prompted me to make mm. the list, uh, and that was a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's a bunch of uh, other directors that we didn't mention, uh, but you can look on my list on my blog if you want to see. Mm-hmm. And if you have any uh, recommendations of, oh, you forgot this person, you can add it in the comment mm-hmm. section. <laughs> but yeah, we we hit some of the big ones. Uh, yeah, I was fun. I uh, There's a, there a lot of good directors that are still going, and mm. a lot of, you know, some of them haven't made a movie in forever. But, and there's you know. sort
0: of like a bridge to an older time in filmmaking uh, when just stuff was done a different way, especially people like Norman Jewison. like He's just a classic sort of film director um, that really doesn't exist today. Uh, you know, everything's sort of the studio-run movies, or there's Quentin Tarantino's. There's not exactly the Norman Jewison's of the world these days. But... Uh,
1: I, it's weird, I think that, like, I think of Ang Lee as, in a weird way, being that, that's because he does true. every type of movie. Yeah. Yeah. But because he's such a fire. I, mean, I know. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting people that are still going. And pretty much the one that's the oldest that's still going now that Anya Sparta has died, I guess I would say it's uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky.
0: If he's still going, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well,
1: he's, I mean, he had a film come out three Not years ago. Not the same ago, pace
0: and... as Woody Allen and uh, Clint Eastwood.
1: No, but he's he he still plans on making a movie, and he's uh, yeah. And uh, I sh- I should I think we should just mention um, because he had a birthday on April fifth. Roger Corman, ninety three years old, uh, Very one of the most influential,
0: but not yeah. widely seen.
1: <laughs> no, they, absolutely not. His films were probably more seen than almost anyone we've mentioned because he made all those uh, schlocky horror films, and everyone saw those back in the day. Well, back but, yeah, in the day,
0: not it, not now though.
1: Yeah, but his, uh, you know, he started helped start the career of Martin Scorsese and Ron Howard and Francis Ford Coppola and Jack Nicholson and Dennis Hopper and mm-hmm. Jonathan and Demi. Really low and, budget uh, movies taught right, them sort it, of the
0: it, art of filmmaking at that budget yeah. level, especially Scorsese. Yeah,
1: he had the original Little Shop of Horrors. Um, yeah, so uh, those are some great directors we talked about that are uh, at least still alive, have not uh, gone off the mortal coil yet. Uh, so yeah well we'll talk about some new movies next week hopefully uh we thought we would just do this because coppola turned 80 recently and i thought it would be fun to talk about directors that are still with us Uh and uh yeah so thank you for listening and we'll be back with y'all next
0: week